as we talk today about how to partner in transformation of others, do we really understand, do you know what partnering in transformation of others requires of us as a church? And I, I want to talk about a few key things because I think this is important. I think we go like, oh yeah, like we're going to partner in the transformation of other people. But what does that mean? What does that require of us? What's it going to take? So let's take a deeper dive and we're going to look into a focused attention, the potential risk. Let's, we got to talk about risk, right? Everyone wants to know like, what's the risk? So we're going to talk about focused attention, potential risk, and uh, trustful obedience. All of those are necessary for us to partner in the transformation of other people. I'm going to jump in. Last week we started a story about a guy named Saul. Has anyone ever heard of a guy named Saul? If you've not heard of a guy named Saul, just very quickly, Saul was one of the baddest, gnarliest, most studied, educated Jews in biblical history. This guy knew the Torah. He knew what we consider as the Old Testament. He knew the law, and he was amazing at it. And we read this story last week about how this guy Saul was traveling. He was a murderer of Christians. He was putting Christians in jail. And this guy gets knocked off of his horse as he's traveling on a road to a place called Damascus. Saul later on, not to spoil the story, but he later on, his name is changed to Paul. And most of what we read in the New Testament the letters, you know, Philippians and Ephesians and Corinthians and uh, Thessalonians and all, like a lot of these books, a majority of them are written by this guy, Paul. So Paul is an important figure in history because he gives us most of what we would study today. And we're going to jump in today. After Saul was knocked on his butt and it says he's blind. We're going to jump in in verse 10. Now there was a believer, this word believer, I, I want to stop for a second and define believer because a lot of people I think today say, if I, if I pulled the room, how many of you believe in God? Just, just I'm actually going to do this, so just go ahead and raise your hand. You don't have to if you don't want to, of course, I want to be passive about this. No, just kidding, raise your hand, okay? How many of you believe in God? Okay, if you didn't raise your hand, you're totally fine. You're totally fine. In fact, I love that you're here if you didn't raise your hand. I love it. Because we're all looking for something, okay? And a lot of people say they believe in God. But I'm going to make a distinct difference in that some people believe in God, but some people don't follow God. And there's a difference. When we read this, and, and we read, now there was a believer in the Bible the Bible doesn't make a distinction between the two, believer and follower. The word believe implies that you're going to, of, like it makes sense, of course you're going to follow if you believe, right? If you believe, there's a sign and it says, cliff ahead, stop. And a sign of a little stick figure falling off to their death. If you believe that you could die by falling off this cliff, logic says you're going to follow, right? I'm not going to go do that. But in our society, we've separated the two. I want to make the distinction that in this setting, there's no separation. Belief says I'm going to put my actions in place according to that belief. 
So there is a believer. The word believer means pupil, learner, or disciple. So we have this person in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replies. Doesn't that happen sometimes? They're like, John, you're like, yeah. Like, okay, nobody. This is what I love. Ananias' name. What does his name mean? His name means whom Jehovah has graciously given. Whom Jehovah has graciously given. Now we're going to get back to this definition in a second because it's important. In verse 11 it says, the Lord says, so he says to Ananias, I want you to go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. That's very specific. Okay. There's no mistaking at this point to Ananias that this Saul is the Saul. Okay? Like he's public enemy number one if you're a follower of Jesus, which Ananias is. And, and, and this is what the Lord says to Ananias. He's praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias, which is himself. And it's, he's like, say what? <laughs> I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. Now, I want to stop for a second and go back to what does Ananias' name mean? Whom Jehovah has graciously given. So let me read it this way. I have shown this guy Saul a vision of a man named Ananias or whom I have graciously given to him. That perhaps in the story of transformation of the lives of people around you, that for a second can we stop and consider that who God sees you as is an instrument whom he has graciously given for the transformation of that person. Ananias, I've spoken to Saul and told him that you are coming, that Ananias, that whom I have graciously given is coming for you. This is important, Saul. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, what he's about to say, I'm 100% with him. Okay? I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this guy has done to the believers in Jerusalem! Exclamation point. He's like yelling. He's pretty excited to God about this. Like, whoa, 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 wait. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. And I love God. God's like, go. Do I get an explanation? He doesn't, God doesn't, he's just go. And then he says something fascinating. For Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and the kings as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Sometimes we struggle to see how some people could ever be a worthy instrument in God's hands. But Ananias had to remember that he was whom Jehovah, whom the Lord had graciously given. It wasn't up to him to decide. Sometimes we struggle, don't we? Like, God, you know, I've known this person for like 16 years, 25 years, 10 minutes. And what I know about them, and God's like, you need to forget what you, what you know about them. 
because you're disqualifying them. He goes, so Ananias, he went and he found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul. Brother Saul. He goes from, the dude's going to murder me, to like, what's up, bro? <laughs> Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, instantly, something like scales, it says, fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and he was baptized. That's what we're going to celebrate after the 11 a.m. service. Like, unapologetically, we're going to celebrate the fact that there's people's lives being transformed. That if we're not seeing lives transformed, then we're, we're not operating the way that we should. This is afterward, he ate some food, he regained his strength. So like Ananias, we have the privilege, we have the honor, and we have an opportunity of being an instrument in God's hands. On God's mission of transformation in other people's lives. So, if you've been transformed... If you in your life, last week I talked about this, you've been transformed, you said yes to Jesus, there's a transformational moment. But then you now set out on a lifetime. I, I, I said a guy named John Mark Comer likes to say it like this, we, we are apprentice, we, we enter an apprenticeship underneath Jesus. We're transformed when we say yes to Jesus, but we enter in now to a lifetime of transformation. Do you know that I still need to walk in transformation? Yeah, don't, don't agree so quickly there, Pastor Jeff. Did you hear that? I said, you know, I still need to walk in Pastor Jeff. So, well, absolutely, amen. You better preach. What the heck? Bro, I got the mic. I'm going to call you out. You're going to... Nothing but love, dude. But you obviously need transformation too. Okay. So if, you, if you've been transformed and you're living out this life of transformation, partnering on God's mission begins, number one, with attention. It begins with attention. You know, the Lord spoke to Ananias and he's like, yo, Annie, Ananias. And I said, what? Yes, Lord. You know, when I read that, it's so simple. I don't, I don't, I don't, there's something profound here, though. I don't want to pass over. Ananias was attentive to the voice of the Lord. A transformed follower partnering in transformation of others is attentive to the voice of the Lord. We've developed the ability to tune out what needs to be tuned out so that we can tune in to the voice that we need to be tuned into. What is your attention tuned into? I, I can only speak personally or potentially, you know, this might be somewhat hypothetical. Not all these things relate to me, but by and large, they probably do. 
what voice is getting my attention? There's this internal editor that we all have. Does anyone have that internal editor in their head? You know, it's the editor that says, you know, you're not good enough. It's that editor that tells you, like, you don't have what it takes. It's the editor that says, you know, hey, remember that thing that you did six months ago? You know, is God really good enough to forgive you? You know, you pretty much are trash. Has anyone ever battled this internal editor? I'm just being, I'm just, I'm just being transparent. Like, this is, I deal with this sometimes, right? How about the external voices that w- get our attention? My gosh. Like, we are so tuned in to so many voices around us. And it's not hard. Like, I, I, I want to tell you, it, I, it, it's, it's really not hard to do in, in our society. There's so many things. I mean, we're carrying around the biggest amplifier of voices in human history right here. You, you can go on. You, right now, I could go on, and I could hear an infinite amount of voices telling me, preaching to me about what I should think and who I should serve and who I should give attention to. And Jesus says this. I call that external environmental noise, okay? And Jesus says this. The guy who wrote Acts, his name is Luke. He also wrote a book called Luke, affectionately named after him. And Jesus is speaking in this, and, and Luke wrote this down so that we could read it. And Luke 8, 18 says, Jesus says, so pay attention to how you hear. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. God, I, I just, you know, I'm trying to pay attention. I just don't understand. Jesus is saying, pay attention to how you hear. Because when you really lean in and listen to my teachings, you're going to begin to understand more. I think we need to understand more about what Jesus says. And he goes on, he says, but for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. I want to tell you the first way to increase your attention to the voice of the Lord. This is, so, I mean, I'm taking us way back to the basics here. Daily, I would encourage you. Guess what I'm going to say? Read the Bible. Because I'm going to begin to learn the voice of God. I'm going to begin to learn and understand his character and his nature. And so I can begin to discern, to, to differentiate. Is this, is this potentially God highlighting something to me? Or is this that editor in my head? But if I don't know the nature and the character of God, I am going to accept everything that I'm hearing as potentially the voice of God. And that's very, very dangerous. Your attention will be directed to what you allow it to focus on. So one of the ways 
for sure, is we can tune in to the voice of God by actually getting into the scripture more. Get in, read the Bible. But one of the other ways is we could limit the external voices and the noise that we tune into. Very practically speaking, one of the best ways sometimes in order to hear something is to shut off the other noise. And I would venture to say that some of us could probably stand to turn off some of the outlets of external noise that we're really giving a lot of attention to. And we're left with opinions and personal perspectives and prejudices and we're left with biases and we're left with political stances and we're left with common thought, but we're not left with the voice of the Lord. And Ananias was attentive to the voice of the Lord. Now, although he was attentive, he had to embrace risk. He had to embrace risk with Saul. In verse 13, you know, he's like, he's like I want you to go. He's like, but Lord, um, yeah, see, uh, you've failed to remember the guy's a murderer. And he, ha- and he has like the, gov- he has the religious rulers behind him. I don't, God, I don't think really this is how this should go down. Maybe we should take a vote. What is worth the risk of the potential failure that Ananias may face? Well, I want us to stop for a second. What is worth the risk of the potential failure that Ananias could face? I want to tell you that the worth of a risk is determined by the reward of that investment. The reward of it. This word investment, I love this Let's just define investment as this, the undertaking with the expectation of a worthwhile result. We often say the higher the risk, the higher the what. But if I look at what's going on, when I see someone, Pastor Jeff, I'm going to pick on him because he picked on me. I'm like, the Lord's like, you know what, you need to go pray for Pastor Jeff. And I'm like, that's kind of risky. I don't know. I don't know. He's, he's bigger than me. He's taller than me. He could probably take me out. And I'm like, I, I don't know about this. That sometimes to embrace that risk, we have to understand that what I'm about to do is an investment. An investment, it's an undertaking with the expectation of a worthwhile result. It's I'm going to embrace the risk, but the worthwhile result of me taking the risk with with Pastor Jeff, is a life changed. It's him being a better father. It's him being a better son. It's him being a better brother. It's him being a better pastor. It's him being better community. Do do, do you see what I'm saying? But ultimately, I want us to wrap our heads around this for a second. Jesus failed in earthly terms to win a worthwhile result in eternal terms. 
Jesus failed in earthly terms to win a worthwhile result in eternal terms. If you think about the story, the arc of the story of Jesus, everyone's like, you blew it, bro. King. And they killed him. His own disciples are like, hey, when are you going to set up your own kingdom? And like, we get to sit, we get to be part of it, and we're going to be influencers, man. We're going to have followers. We're going to get, you know. Jesus is like, man, I came for impact. Eternal impact. I'm not interested in what you call me. I'm interested in impacting your life so that you know exactly who it is that I say you are. Paul, later on, he writes this in Romans. He says, for while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous person Though perhaps for the good person, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. Who is us? You know, us is you and me and everyone who was and everyone who is and everyone who will be. It's humanity. God demonstrates his own love toward all of humanity in that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus just goes full send on giving his entire life to humanity. (laughs) He's like, no risk, no reward. And he does it because he knows there's a worthwhile reward and result. Can you imagine for a second being the guy who embraced the risk to partner with God by going and praying for one of the most influential, impactful people to ever live in biblical proportions. And this guy, Ananias, it's not like, he didn't like spend 20 years with Saul. We, 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 sometimes we're like, this is such an inconvenience. Yeah, do you want me to stop and pray for Pastor Jeff again? You want me to do, I've prayed for that family. I've, how many times have I had to like have this, con- this heart-to-heart conversation? This is so inconvenient, God, and he's like, mm, that's where, see, you need to embrace the risk of investment. You need to stop looking at it as an inconvenience. There is a high reward, and here's Ananias. He steps in, and he just, he literally, he shows up. He's like, in the story, you know, you never hear, you never hear about this guy again. But imagine being this guy. Imagine who God has put around you. Imagine that potentially there's someone around you that you're going to come across in your lifetime, this side of heaven, that God's going to put in front of you that is going to, it's going to, bring a massive impact. You, you, you don't know, but that's not even the point. The point is, is that a, a life, one life, if just one life is transformed. We don't walk around looking for the grand slam like, hey, have you heard from God? Is he, have you been knocked on your butt off of a horse on a road? I'm, just try, I'm trying to find the next Paul. Don't discriminate. 
God is about transformation, like across the board, no discrimination, and we have an opportunity to even just be an Ananias and just step in and say, yes, Lord, embrace the risk of the investment, wipe away this feeling of inconvenience. I'm, I'm, I'm just through with that person. You ever said that? I'm just through with that person. You, thank God, literally, that he didn't say that about you. Thank God that he's not saying. I love the fact, I hear stories about some of you in our family, in our church, who are doing this very thing. Embracing the risk of investment, stepping in, and you're labor, like laboring. You're like, bro, you're a mess. <laughs> and you stick with the person. And you're willing to step in. Good job. Good job. Because we're all on a journey of transformation, aren't we? There is no higher reward than seeing someone's life transformed. So, Ananias embraces this risk, and he does it by responding in obedience. He does it by responding in obedience. In verse 15, the first thing that he does, and I, I, I drew attention to this in the beginning. First thing he does, he's like, hey, I want you to do this thing. He's like, but Lord. <laughs> and when you start a sentence with God, with but God, you might want to really think about what you're about to say. But, but God. <laughs> because in response, in verse 15, but the Lord said, because God's going to have something. So he responds, and this is what he says. Go, and I'm going to focus on some words. For Saul is. In other translations, it says, go. He is. He is. You, do you know, he says, he is my chosen. The word chosen is picked out. He is present. Not, you know, uh, hey, uh, Ananias, you know, one day, this guy Saul, he's going to like make some mistakes and it's going to take some time. But one day, he's going to live up to his potential. You know what, God? Listen to this. In the Greek, it's a present tense. The Lord said, he is. Because he is my chosen instrument. That word chosen is to be picked. It'd be like God saying this, um, hey, um, Pat, that's cool. Here's the deal. Pastor Jeff, I picked him on the team. And this is the position that he was picked to be in. And this is who I see him as. And this is the name that I put on the back of his jersey. You can get on board with this or not. He is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles. The word he is is to be, to exist, to be present. This is, uh, this is an action that's taking place at this very moment. That Saul right now is an instrument. Uh, you know, God's purpose in someone's life exists as a reality ever, way before you see the evidence of it. Hold on, let me say it to this side of the room, because I felt like you were, you, you, Kim, you're ready for me to preach, so I'm going to... God's purpose in someone's life 
is 100% true and 100% a reality before you and I ever see evidence of it. I was, I was a father. Check this out. There was a day I was born. Did you know in God's purpose for my life, I was already a father of seven daughters? I was already a leader. I was already standing in this place in God's mind. Now, I was definitely a Saul, right? Here's what's fascinating. Oftentimes the things that you will see in other people that the enemy will end up using for destruction, that same skill set when God flips, I grew up with some dudes that are like, we're amazing drug dealers. But let me say it this way. They were amazing businessmen and had amazing minds for enterprise. And I love those guys. And I know God can transform their life. And if they start working, and some of them have for the enterprise of the kingdom of God, imagine what that skill set and that mind can do. So Ananias was obedient to God's voice rather than his own view. But when we're living life with people and they're in, in God's transforming them, do we see them like that? Do we see the identity that God has called them as? Do we see their destiny? Do we call that out in them? I've had people do that in my life. Pat, okay, I get it. <laughs> You're still kind of doing this thing, but this is not who you are. Do you, like, do you see the shift? Pat, I want to remind you who you are. I, I don't really feel like it. You know, you get into the feelings, right? <laughs> All in the feelings. Obedience requires believing God's best about someone. Ananias chose to believe God's best about Saul. Then, verse 17, Ananias went and found Saul. He lays his hands on him and he calls him what? Brother. He goes from, he's a murderer, to, hey, Jeff, you're my brother. Now, when, when, when whatever exchange happens, that perhaps God is saying, I want you to pray for this person. I want you to go encourage this person. Go tell that person who it is that I see them as. When we do it from a position like Ananias where we're like, you're my brother, that totally changes things. Amazing proof that Ananias, like, he accepts and he's willing to be obedient to God's voice and how God views Saul. There's a person who exists in your life potentially who might be lacking the evidence right now of who God called them to be. And, and I, I feel like it's, it's fair um, to say we all probably are lacking a little bit at times. 
I want to encourage you, don't give up if you don't see the evidence yet. Don't give up. All our job is is to say, Lord, who is it that you see here in front of me? How do you see this person? And Nice is like, okay, Lord, yeah, he's an instrument. You picked him on your team. He is right now, today, in this moment. This guy is an instrument in your hands. For some of you sitting here today, for some of you who are maybe watching on our online campus, I want you to know something. No matter where you're at in your relationship, your proximity to God, here's what you have to know. You're still an instrument in God's hands. You may not be living according to those purposes, but you're an instrument in God's hands. For those of you who are walking in that transformed life, don't give up. Stay in the game because God isn't done with any of us yet. Keep depositing in the person's life according to God's identity and purposes that he's called them to. Be obedient. Be attentive to his voice. Be willing to embrace the risk for investment. And be obedient to the identity that God sees in someone's life. Would you join me in standing today? My challenge, or I should say an, an activation or a next step, whatever, whatever words make you feel good, if the word challenge feels like, oh, I don't like being challenged. Ask God to highlight one person to you this week and pray for them. One. How many, like, how many people are you going to come across this week? One person. Say, God, just highlight one person. You may need to turn off the radio or shut down some noise around you. Maybe limit how much scrolling on our feeds we do. I would tell you this morning that our country is in an interesting place. This last week, there's been a lot going on. And I want to encourage you as a follower of Jesus. What Ananias did not do is he didn't get in Saul's face and gloat and become arrogant and tell him I told you so and ridicule him or tell him how 15 different ways he was wrong. Ananias had humility to believe the best about what God was doing. And I would encourage us as followers of Jesus to say, God, you are you. You continue to move how you're going to move. And God, I just want to humbly 
just continue to encourage and call out the things in people that you see in them, the life you see in them, the gold that you see in them. That we have an opportunity as a church partnering in transformation to actually pull together communities. I said to somebody, you know, we, we can be a thermostat or a, or a thermometer. I think I learned that when I was teaching high school ministry. We have an opportunity to be a thermostat. Set the temperature in culture. To approach with an attentiveness, to embrace the risk of investment. To trust God. Be obedient to what he says and who he sees people as. And the world is broken. I think no matter where you sit in your understanding of God, can we all agree? All of us in humanity can agree with this. The world is broken. And we have an opportunity this week to say, God, give us, highlight one person. Show us one thing that we could say to this person, that we could pray for this person. Maybe it's, you don't say anything at all. How can I be a partner in the transformation of this person in my life or this person potentially you're at school with or you're working with or uh, your spouse, a child, a friend, a neighbor, a random person who you see at the grocery store that's always grumpy and angry. <laughs> we have a massive opportunity and a privilege. Church can and should partner in the transformation of the people that we're living life with, with focused attention, embracing the risk of the investment. and ultimately being obedient to what the Lord says about the person and the situation. Let's close our eyes. Some of us in the room feel overwhelmed uh, potentially because you've been living in a space where you feel like um, it's hopeless. Nothing's ever gonna change. Nothing, like this is beyond redemption. Maybe there's something very specific in your in your life that you're dealing with. If that's you right now, could you do me a favor just so I can see you? I want to pray for you. Could you raise your hand? You're feeling hopeless. Like, okay, cool. Yep. It's totally fine. Raise your hand. Don't give up. I just feel like the Lord said this morning, don't give up. I mean, we we can't give up on each other. Don't give up on God redeeming a situation. You don't see evidence of it yet. You don't see evidence of um, broken relationships being mended. You don't see evidence yet of dysfunction in a family where there's dysfunction between a parent and children. This is for someone in the room. I'm being very specific right now, to be clear. Where there's dysfunction and there's been a breakdown between parent and children in the room. And you don't see evidence of that getting better. 
And uh, I just want to tell you, the Lord just wants to encourage you this morning because he sees right now. Um, God's asking you to begin to call things as they are in his economy, not as you see them. And to continue to labor over your children as God sees them, not as you have had the perspective of seeing them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Jenny, just keep praying for her. That's for you. We need the sweetness of Jesus. I'm just going to take a few seconds, and I just want to wait on the Lord right now. We have a few seconds. Yeah, Lord, just speak. Lord, we just, we lean our attention into you right now, Lord Jesus, for you to speak. Yeah. got a sense that maybe there's a few people um, that are hearing this maybe in the room or on my campus but I think specifically in the room that you're in desperate need for an encouraging voice in what feels like a wilderness of dryness and loneliness you need someone to come along and just put their arm around you or tell you that it's okay. You got someone to walk with. Some of you are feeling extremely lonely in these moments. And I, I also, um, I felt like the Lord was just showing me that, that if that's you, What's happening is, is that you're putting on, you're putting on a kind of a face that is telling everyone externally that you got it and everything is okay. But in reality, um, you're really, really hurting inside. You're having a hard time letting go of some of the hurts and the pains that have occurred. And there's a trick in that, that we get tricked into walking in this fake self and this facade of who we, we feel like we need to portray. And I just want you to know the Lord this morning is saying to you that like he, like he is safe. He, like it is a safe place to be able to come to the Lord, that, that it's safe to be able to drop that, that facade and ultimately, you were not created and made to have all the strength in the world and get through it and do it alone. If that's you, um, I know we have our ministry team here. There's people getting prayer right now all over the room. But if specifically what I just said is for you, I don't want you to leave here without getting prayer from our ministry team. And ultimately, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus this morning, I want to tell you something. 
highest investment with the highest reward is for the one life that says yes to Jesus and sees their whole world transformed. Where drug addiction is put in the grave and lives are restored and redemption occurs. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus, I want to encourage you with something. This is a little bit different maybe than what normally might happen. I'm going to ask you that you would just come forward. As I dismiss everyone, you can come forward and just ask one of the ministry team members for prayer and just tell them, I want to give my life to Jesus. I, I, I need to be transformed. You know, this is the most important moment of the entire morning. It's not my preaching. It's not my speaking. It's not like this is it. It's when you get an opportunity to respond to Jesus. This is the most important moment. It can be the most uncomfortable, but this is the most important so thank you for embracing this. But lives are being touched and changed. And like, we, like we're like, like, this is yes. Like when I walk away from a Sunday, I'm like, yes, lives are being touched and changed. So thank you. Thank you for being part of that. Thank you for being patient with that because there's lives right now that God is, is doing some things in. Lord, bless every single person as they walk out of here as we leave this morning and we do a donut run and get some coffee and we come back super wired for the 11 a.m. so that we can hang out and have burgers and watch people get baptized to see what I just did there I can pray that Lord do it in their heart Lord, today that we can celebrate transformation and this is what we're about, transformed people partnering with you, transforming lives. Thank you. Thank you for this little church. Thank you for our family. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for doing what you do, Jesus. If you need prayer this morning, don't leave here without it. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen.